I'm so amazed at what God is doing. I want, I want to call your attention to one thing, though. Really important for you to understand that the church is not me. The church is you. It is us. Every one of us need to say, I am the church. We are the church together. The church does not grow because we have great music or because we have great programs or because we have all kinds of really cool images that we can put on a big giant screen in a movie theater. The church grows because people meet other people and they introduce them to Jesus Christ. That is how the church grows. That's the only way it grows. And so I want to challenge you we look at that video and we see God bringing people together. There is no doubt in my mind that God has drawn some of you together to, to, to be a family uh, at one chapel. That he is doing something where he's putting a, a group of people together for a special purpose, to accomplish something wonderful in this city. And we're going to join our voices with the voices of so many others in this city who are already about the work of the kingdom. And we're going to see a harvest. That's what this is about. Make no mistake. We're not here just to enjoy ourselves. We are here on a mission. And I want you to join me in that mission in 2011. Will you do it with me? That uh, means you're going to have to be aggressive. It means you're going to have to go for it. It means you're going to have to stretch. It means you're going to have to reach outside your comfort zone. And I think if you will go with me, if we will go together, then we will see Jesus do amazing things. So as you know, we've been, um, we just finished the new year and we're just launching into this, this new opportunity to, to sort of redefine and look at the future. And it's a great opportunity to sort of say, all right, what, what Jesus, what do you want us to do? Give us a report card for what last year held and, and let it, help us to remember your faithfulness. And then we look forward, what, what do you want to do next, God? And so we're going to begin a new series called Hungry. Hungry. And uh, some of you might be sitting here saying, I'm really hungry. I really need, I really need to uh, go get something to eat. There is popcorn out there um, if you need it. But here's, here's, what, I, here's what I want to do. I want to look at this next month that we're going to spend together seeking God and kind of digging in to what he's saying to us. We're going we're gonna to have 21 days of prayer and fasting starting on January 9th. And I, I want you to join me as we seek God and sort of consecrate ourselves to him and to his purpose. And so uh, I want to ask you a big question here to start off. And that is, what are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? I have, I have a couple sacks of groceries here. It's really a, really a cool thing um, to look at all the stuff that we can eat in, when you go through the grocery store, I went to the grocery store this morning really early. I'll tell you, if there is a great time to go to the grocery store, it's Sunday morning early. There is no one there. But it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating thing when we look at things that we eat and, and how that affects us. Um, one of my favorites, <laughs> nacho cheese. What's the joke, baby? Can't remember? I can't. I can't remember it. Anyway, there's something about. I remember the punchline. It's nacho cheese. If you don't what? If you don't buy it, it's nacho cheese. Okay. 
I love Pop-Tarts. They're some of my most favorite things. It's a, it's a really fun thing. If you don't buy it, it's Pop-Tarts, and it doesn't work, I guess. I, I, there's really good stuff for breakfast. Oh, is this, is this the best for breakfast or what? I mean, this is so good. This is like one of my favorite breakfast cereals. Only problem is sometimes it makes the roof of your mouth really scratchy. Isn't that weird? It's kind of, you got to let it sink into the milk for a while. Amen. That's good preaching. Just saying. The preaching is really good. Here's, here, here's the problem. We, what we eat can either be really good for us or really bad for us. Totino's Pizza. So good. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what the deal is. 99 cents. 99 cents of wonderfulness. Did you know that you can buy White Castle burgers in the store? You can buy them at HEB. I could not believe it. I'm just going with my cart down the aisle. I'm like, White Castle burgers. You have to add the pickle. Do the pickles come in it? So I guess you know all about this, Joe. Can I just tell you that all this stuff is bad for you? You, you know where I'm going, right? Even though this is white cheddar, <laughs> it's still not really that great for you. This could be maybe the best thing in the whole thing. <laughs> Honey buns. I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, this is fantastic. And then later, not so good. You ever notice that? You eat it, and then later it's like, oh, that is not good for me. Can't believe I did this. And then, you know, this is like, oh. You can't go wrong with a ding-dong. Here's the problem with all this stuff. Oh, yeah, fudge grams. All this stuff. This, we tend to eat a bunch of stuff that is not good for us. Here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Are you ready? I don't know if you're ready. We crave what we consume. It's kind of a thing, you know? It's, we crave what we consume. We get hungry for the stuff that we eat. So if you eat all this junk, that was a close one. If we eat all this junk, then we start craving it somehow. But it is amazing. Now, I want you to notice, it's, it's, it, there's some really good stuff here in this, in this bag. This is, ooh, broccoli. Broccoli is so good for me. It looks like a tiny little tree. But it smells. Oh, it always smells a little bit bad. Look at this. Spinach, mmm, wonderfulness. Mm. Oh, I haven't washed it. That's bad. And then we got, we got, we, oh, just look at, look at, look at these guys. I really, oh, these peppers. Look at how good these are. I'm, I'm so amazed at how, I want you to notice this thing. Look at how, look at how colorful this is. It's so beautiful. You just, mm. here's the thing. 
You crave what you consume. If you eat this stuff, you start craving it. If you consume this kind of food, you'll start craving it. If you consume that food. Here, you see that all the colorfulness is all on the box. Inside, it's all kind of brown. It's true. You look at almost everything here, it's brown. It's a, sort of a beige brown. I don't know why they can't make it red and nice and pretty, but, um, but this, this just makes you somehow, I just want to, oh, it's good. Just so many things, prunes, can't go wrong with prunes. Yeah, you're right. Those aren't good. Those are no good. But it's not like you have to, I mean, look, 100% whole wheat multigrain bread. It's good for you. You eat it, and it's, one, it's just wonderful. Carrots, you got bananas. I got, some, I got some almonds here. These are whole natural almonds. Now, I will tell you that I cheat on the almonds. I always eat, oh, sorry. I always eat, um, I, excuse me. I always eat the kind that have, um, like, smoked and uh, salt on them. That's so good. Um, but it, this, is, this, is, this is the thing. We not, only, we not only crave what we consume, but what we consume is what we become. What we consume is what we become. You, you ever heard the saying, you are what you eat? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> you are what you eat. It really is true. What you consume is what you become. And so we look at two ways of living our lives, two ways of filling our body with either good things or bad things. Now, I will tell you that I engage in these, but what we need, what I need more of is this. What, I, what we all potentially need more of is something that's natural, something that's organic, something that's good for our bodies. And so when we look at fasting, what we're, what we're saying to ourselves is that spiritually it's also true. What you put in will make you healthy or it'll make you sickly. Most of us don't even know we're sickly. And it's a result of all the enriched junk that... I heard a guy say one time, he said, I want to live a long time. That's why I eat food with so many preservatives. Because <laughs> he can be preserved. So I want, to talk about what, I want to talk about the exercise, the discipline. I want to talk about the spiritual discipline of fasting. Because for many of you, it may be the first time that you've fasted, or you haven't done this in a long time. Uh, frankly, I don't know why they call it fasting, because it always goes so slow. <laughs> but we're going to look at fasting. We're going to look at the spiritual roots of it. We're going to look at what the scriptures say about it. And I want to I coach you on how to dive into the next season of our church, how to dig in spiritually, how to put good things in you spiritually, how to make a practice, how to build a discipline of prayer, and a discipline of fasting. So we look at the word fasting. What is fasting? Fasting is to abstain from food, to eat sparingly, or to abstain from some foods. We go without food. Now, no doubt about it, this body is made for food, okay? It's amazing what this body will process. God was so amazing when he built your body. The truth is, your body can process poison. It just can't do it for a long, long time. Right? So if you want to die early, you eat this stuff. If you want to live longer, you eat this stuff. So, but there's, a, there's, there's, there's something about going without food 
that causes us to become aware. Everybody say aware. Something about going without food that causes us to become aware of what God wants to do. It's because we are the, we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Of the 16 or so references to fasting in the New Testament, roughly half speak of corporate fasts, including those that seem to indicate that it was the regular practice of the early church. As with individual fasts, corporate fasting encouraged the church to express sorrow for sin or seek community forgiveness for wrongs that had been committed or to concentrate on the work of God or to seek his guidance. It's very clear fasting was practiced a lot in the, New, in the Old Testament, but we also see it in the New Testament. So we ask ourselves the question, why do we fast as the scriptures begin to, to speak to us about fasting? I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Everybody get your Bibles out. You need to bring your Bible to church. You need to bring your Bible and then you need to bring a little something to write on. You can use your worship guide if you have one. And all of you should take a worship guide when you come in here. You know, that's what they're for. They're for you to take and you can put it in your Bible and you can write on it and you can remember stuff that I said. Because you will not remember this stuff <laughs> at lunch um, <laughs> if you don't write it down, all right? So it's good discipline to keep, begin to write notes, begin to look up, the, look up the Bible verses with me, become familiar with your Bible. If you're not familiar with your Bible, this is a good opportunity to kind of search through and underline and look at different scriptures, all right? So here's why we fast, all right? And I want to read this passage. Number one, we fast because we're cultivating a hunger for God instead of just a hunger for our flesh. Our flesh is a pretty strong desire. Everything, we, when, we, when God created this in us, we want to preserve ourselves. And so hunger is a beautiful thing because it helps us to stay strong. We eat to be uh, sustained and we eat to be nourished. And so we're cultivating, though, a hunger for God when we go without food. It's amazing how generous God is. You know, he didn't have to make our tongue with taste buds so that we would desire Captain Crunch. Or so that we could taste the, the, just the, that little sweet and yet tangy sense of the pepper. You know, he didn't have to do that, but he did. And it's a mechanism that causes us to eat and to enjoy it and then to be sustained. But when we fast, what we're doing is we're going without so that we can get in touch with what God is saying and what he's doing. So that we can cause our bodies and our flesh to be under control, subservient to subservient, in submission to God's spirit. God's spirit lives where? It lives right here. God speaks to you during worship. When we were worshiping and lifting that song up, it was so amazing. And you sense something right down here in your heart, in your emotions, and you sense that that's the Holy Spirit. God is speaking to you. That's the Holy Spirit resonating inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So what we want is we want the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in everything we do. We want his direction. We want his influence to be the number one influence in our lives. Not what kind of food we eat. Not the desires of our flesh. Okay, so here's a, here's a story of Jesus. And Jesus is meeting with the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. 
And he sits at the well with her and he, he kind of reads her mail. <laughs> he, he speaks to her really directly and he, he sees into her life and he challenges her. And then, and then his disciples have been away getting food for them. So verse 27, we'll pick it up. John 4, 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? It was inappropriate. It was very awkward to talk to a woman, especially for a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman. So verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ, the Messiah? Absolutely it was. And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, we got some food. Go ahead and eat something. You're really tired. You need to eat something. Verse 32, but he said to them, I love this phrase, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And this his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Oh, that's really weird. Verse 34 says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus gives us a little insight into, into health, into spiritual health, that there is a sustaining power that we enter into when we go without for a season, when we choose to cause our bodies to be in submission to God's purpose and his will. Saying no to your appetite is a way of disciplining your body. It's a way of disciplining your flesh. Now, at the beginning, here's the crazy thing. At the beginning, it makes your flesh really loud. That little stomach, stomach down there, hey, I haven't seen food in a while. I need some. You need to give me some food. And you'll be miserable, and sometimes you'll have headaches, and there'll be all kinds of things. But what'll happen is you're causing your body to be in submission to the Spirit of God who wants you to fulfill His will, His purpose for you. And, you're, and you, what you're doing is you're becoming more sensitive to Him. Now, we see this practice. Jesus, when he, when he was in the wilderness at the very beginning of His ministry, you know what He did? He was tempted by the devil. And the first temptation, if you recall, He was, he was tempted to turn stones into bread. Satan came to tempt him, and he said, if you're hungry, then turn these stones into bread. And do you know what Jesus said? He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word of God, the spirit of God, can sustain us. Now, as we look at this picture, we can see that God is always interested in showing us that he can provide for us, that his provision is enough for us, Versus our provision. We see this in the story of the, of the uh, Israelites in the Old Testament. You see that God provided manna in the wilderness. You know what manna means? What is it? <laughs> what is it? It's like uh, some kind of weird bread substance. When Jesus said, I am the bread of life, it's a picture. Every, all of his hearers would have been thinking about the bread of life that was provided for their uh, uh, 
uh, ancestors, thank you, for their ancestors in the Old Testament, in, in, the, in the nation of Israel. They would have experienced this, this, these stories as they grew up, and they would, they would have clearly seen God provides when we can't provide for ourselves, when we don't know exactly what to do or, or how, to, how to make it happen. Manna in the wilderness, God's word and provision, God's word and provision, manna in the wilderness, had nothing to do with the physical creation. It wasn't food growing out of the ground. It didn't come by the sweat or the work of sowing and reaping. It came from God's provision. Now, God was teaching them how to harvest. He was teaching them how to sow and reap. And, and that's what the book of Leviticus, and you look at all, some, much of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, you know what it is? It's God teaching the children of Israel how to be a nation. But what he was doing while he was doing that was he was providing for them. And in much the same way, I think when we choose to fast, when we choose to go without, when we choose to discipline our lives, what we're doing is we're preparing. We're allowing God to begin to teach us how to do what he wants us to do, how to be the people he wants us to be. So we're cultivating a hunger for God. Moses did a supernatural fast. He, he, and, he and Jesus, um, supernatural fast of 40 days without food and water in Exodus. But when we're fasting, we're saying that God is everything to us, Jesus is our bread of life, and we trust him. So we're cultivating a hunger for God. Number two, we are creating a spiritual and physical discipline. A spiritual and physical discipline. Matthew 26, 41 says that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is what? The spirit is willing, the spirit inside me is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we need to overcome that flesh. We need to be able to say no to cheeseburgers and fries. And here's what happens when you fast. What happens when you fast is you, you go without, and then it seems like everything in your life is throwing food at you. You watch TV. Don't watch TV during fasting because everything is about food. You're driving on the, on the way to work or on, on the way to church, and there's huge billboards with sandwiches sticking out of them. And you, you get so hungry for, oh, I always get hungry for Wendy's cheeseburgers. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm just, I worked at Wendy's for like three years when I was a teenager. It must have something to do with that. But I just want to break my fast with Wendy's hamburgers. But something happens when you say to God, God, I love you so much, and I really want this hamburger, but I'm not going to eat this hamburger today because I want to give my life totally and completely to you. I love you more than this cheeseburger. I know it seems funny for me to say, I love you more than this cheeseburger, but when it comes right down to it and you try it, it's, it's, it's pretty difficult. It's pretty difficult. Fasting is not a very successful thing in, in, in most churches, most Christians' lives. I want to teach you to pray and fast because I think it's a spiritual discipline that makes us stronger on the inside. It overcomes our flesh. It says we value God's work and God's desires above our own desires. It's one of the best ways that we can demonstrate that we are surrendered and submitted. Now, if you look at 1 Peter 4, I love this little, this little verse. If you turn over there with me, 1 Peter chapter 4. 
1 Peter chapter 4. It says, Therefore, verse 1, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude. Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Do you know what fasting is? I mean, let's, let's face it. We all have enough suffering that goes on in our life. Some of you right now are in the midst of trying to recover from suffering and some things that are going on in you. But the truth is fasting helps us. It's sort of like a, it's, it's, it's a self-imposed suffering that allows us to be yielded, to arm ourselves with the same attitude that Jesus had. That he came to this earth for the purpose of laying down his life for others. And somehow when you fast and you enter into the discipline of fasting, you arm yourself with the same attitude that, was, that Jesus had when he came to the earth to share his love with others. And we demonstrate our love for others, I think, more powerfully, more easily, when we've chosen to push our flesh down to make our flesh servant to the Spirit of God within us. That was a good place for an amen. amen. Number three. Number three, we prepare for something new. We prepare for something new. Turn, turn your Bibles to Matthew. Matthew chapter 9. And you look here, Jesus is responding to some questions. Matthew 9 verse 14. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast. This is an interesting little passage. I want you to think about it with me. Jesus responds, Why don't your disciples fast? All our disciples fast. Now, fasting cannot become legalism. Now, here's how it doesn't become legalism. You decide what you're going to fast before the day comes that you're going to fast it. Because if you don't decide until you're in the middle of the day, you won't do it. I speak from experience. Oh, I'll start tomorrow. Oh, it's okay, just this one time. Okay, you've got to decide before. But still, there is no legalism here. What this is, is not law, it's love. It's not law, it's love. What we're doing is, out of love, we're quieting our flesh and we're becoming more sensitive to the Spirit of God that wants to speak to us. Okay, so, so here he says, um, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come, the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. What, what this seems to indicate is when the bridegroom is taken from us, what fasting does, he says, he says, they will fast. We are supposed to fast. It is not just an Old Testament ritual. Jesus said, then they will fast. What is the fasting for? It is to get in touch with the longing for the bridegroom. That's a great idea. Get in touch with the longing for God, for his coming, for the coming of his new kingdom, for the coming of his creation and making all things new. That's what we're getting in touch with is the longing that we have for that. That's what fasting does. And then he, then he answers this question with this little story. No one sews patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do men pour wine, new wine into old wineskins. 
If they do, the skins will burst and the wine will run out and the wineskin will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Now that the bridegroom is away, we fast to get in touch with our longing for him, but Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, Jesus, he says, I didn't come to patch up old traditions. He's saying, I didn't come to fill your Jewish traditions with certain, uh, certain life. He didn't come to fill the old Jewish patterns with his life. He comes to bring total and complete new life to us that goes far beyond forms and traditions of the Old Testament. New life in Christ supersedes rigid adherence to the law. He fulfills the law with his life in us. We don't do, we become. And when we fast, we're open to becoming who God wants us to be. So Jesus, Jesus says you can't use an old wineskin with new wine. Why? Because you pour it in and the old wineskin gets old and cracked and, and then it bursts and it wastes all the new wine. If you want God to do something new in you, Prayer and fasting is a way that you prepare for him to do something new because you got to make this new. you got to embrace a new wineskin, a new container to hold what he wants to say. A new container for what he wants to say, what he wants to do. So this is an awesome thing. Jesus, there's no doubt he wants us to fast. So how do we fast? Let's go through this quickly and then we'll finish. How do we fast? There's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this very quickly, and you can just sort of write down the notes. A normal fast. A person abstains from all food, solid or liquid, but not from water, usually to prepare for some significant event. Jesus fasted for 40 days in preparation for his temptations from Satan and the inauguration of his public ministry in Matthew, all right? So a normal fast is when you go without water for a sustained period of, or go without food and water only for a sustained period of time. And I, I there are health benefits here. There's no... There's, uh, when, you, when you start fasting, you go without food, you'll feel hunger pains for about 24 hours, right? Um, and, but, but you don't get any of the benefit of the toxins working out of your body until about 22 hours in. 22 to 24 hours is where the toxins start to kind of come out. That's where you get really bad breath. And you get a splitting headache. And what happens is you have... Um, you have, if you're a caffeine drinker or you eat a lot of sugar, then your headache will be worse. So in preparation for your fast, you need to ramp down on the coffee, ramp down on the sugar, just get to where you're, you're not you know, having to pump yourself with the Starbucks every day. Because last time we did this, it was in August of this last year, and uh, I went without coffee for three weeks. And I was meeting with people for coffee every day. I mean, it was crazy. And I had been drinking the caffeine. It was, it was horrible. And it was the thing I missed most. It would gnaw at me every day. I'd be like, oh, I'd really like a venti iced coffee sweetened with cream. So, so I, I think there's a, there's a thing. You have to ramp down. You have to be prepared to do it. Um, you drink water. And what happens in, when, you, when you go without for 22, 24, 48 hours, 72 hours, your system begins to flush, and you flush the toxins out of your body. It is not a good diet plan. 
What happens when you fast is your metabolism slows down. And so when you eat again, then, it's, then it, like, um, it doesn't speed back up. It actually continues to be slow, and so it's actually worse for you um, when it comes back. So you need to take that in consideration. This is not a diet plan. You have a partial fast. Sometimes people entered into a partial restriction of diet, but not total abstention. For a three-week period of mourning, Daniel ate no meat and drank no wine, and he applied no lotion, not lotion, to his body, in Daniel 10. So uh, this is one of the things that I think is probably going to be practiced by most of us is we will go for 21 days by separating something uh, uh, from our diet and we'll, we'll just not engage in it. And we will discipline ourselves in that way. We'll only eat <laughs> fruits and vegetables. Huh? 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 Here you go. There it is. Yeah, nice. Over here? Nice. You, you can eat that for lunch. Okay, so... So, so what we want is, what we want is we want people to, to choose something that they'll give up. Choose something that'll make space for God. Here's what happens when you fast. You want to eat, and then you can't. And then you've got to figure out what else you're going to do. Because at that moment that you realize, oh, I'm not eating today, your memory triggers, and you think to yourself, oh, I'm consecrating myself to God today. And it increases your awareness. It improves your awareness of who he is and what he's doing. So we have the partial fast, and then we have an absolute fast. During a relatively short and urgent period of time, people could abstain from all food and water to discern God's leading. Esther neither ate nor drank for three days during a period of national crisis in Esther 4.16. And at Paul's dramatic conversion on the Damascus Road, he abstained from eating and drinking for three days. Now, then there's something called private and corporate fasts. Fasting is usually a private affair, but at times, the people of God came together for corporate or public fasts, such as on the Day of Atonement, in times of national emergency, or seeking God's guidance in prayer. So I want to give you some fasting formulas real quick before we go. Fasting formulas. A juice fast. A juice fast. You just drink juice. You don't drink anything else. Now, be careful, because there's so many juices that are just full of sugar full of crazy stuff. So you just gotta, you gotta look carefully and you can go ahead and drink those. It's not like the end of the world. You can do something like a liquid fast and you just drink all liquids. That way you, drink, you eat soup and you go without food. And so um, and, and you go without solid food. And so you can do a juice fast. It allows you to function without headaches and tiredness. So if you've got a lot to accomplish in a day, sometimes you just need to drink some juice and go on with it. It's great. Remember, it's not law, it's love. Okay, we're, we're doing this out of love for Christ and out of him working in our lives. Number two, fast one meal a day. Pray instead of eating. Instead of, instead of going out with the guys at lunch or instead of bringing your bag to, uh, with you for lunch, just go out in your car and pray. Read your Bible. Um, you could fast from sunup to sundown. You could uh, eat dinner with the family. So you fast all day while the sun is up, but at sundown, you eat dinner. Fast a specific food. Broccoli does not count. You can't fast broccoli. Broccoli is way too good for you. And so you fast a specific activity. Maybe you fast a television. Maybe you fast uh, social media. Maybe you fast uh, Facebook. Oh, no. I don't know if I could do that. Actually, I can do that easily. I don't get on Facebook hardly at all, um, which some of you have found out by trying to send me messages. So, but you could fast, you could fast being critical. Fast being critical. Just fast not giving your opinion. 
fast, yeah, look at Joe. Just fast giving your opinion, Joe. It's awesome. It's an incredible discipline. All right, so here's some fasting features. Here's some fasting features. Prayer should be the context for fasting. Prayer must be the context for fasting. If you, listen, most, most of you spend days where you go without food anyway because you're working so hard or you're doing so much. And so you've, some of you forget to eat lunch. Some of you just go, 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 and then that's not technically fasting. Because once, here's, here's what happens. This is the craziest thing because I've gone without food lots of, t- lots of days. But when I decide that I'm going to fast, oh, the pain the frustration, the irritation, the, 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 what comes up in me is awful. The fruit of the Spirit does not come out at the beginning. Fasting is a way to see what's really inside you. And listen, it will come out. So you need to be ready. You need to be prepared. But what happens is you, that's why you need to pray. That's why you need to read the scriptures. That's why you need to get spiritual food in you. As you get spiritual food in you, what happens is you get the tools and the power and the strength to overcome those bad attitudes and that irritation. So prayer must be the context for fasting. Meditate on the scriptures regularly. Meditate on the scriptures regularly to make sure that you are getting the Bible in you, the word of God. Number three, protect yourself from worldly influences. Here's the thing. When you decide to fast, when you decide to go without to get in touch with God's spirit, it means you are open spiritually. I don't know how this works exactly, but I know that there is all kinds of wars that go on in people's lives and their minds and in their hearts when they fast. And, and some of the things that tempt them most come alive even more. So you've got to protect yourself from that. Don't, don't go to terrible movies and, and, and watch R-rated movies. Don't, don't watch junk on TV. Don't, don't look at stuff. Don't be engaged in all kinds of bad influences or worldly influences, all right? Try to take yourself out of some of that and, and, and focus in, all right? Number four, submit your attitude to the influence of Christ. Submit your attitude to Christ's influence. That's what we just talked about a moment ago. When we pray, when we meditate on the scriptures, we let Jesus take over. And then number five, let your body rest whenever possible. Because if you're going without food, you're going to get tired. And so as you go without food, you, there's, there, you will need to rest more. You will need to sleep a bit more. Sometimes you can't sleep, but you should just not feel guilty about taking a little time to lay down. Here's what I believe. I believe that fasting gives our body rest from all the intake and all the output. And I think it is just pleasing to God when you just rest because most of you don't do it very well. We don't obey the Sabbath very well. It is okay for you to rest while you're fasting. Now, some of you are saying, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I've got to go to work. I've got to do all kinds of stuff. Well, choose a fast that will help you function, that will allow you to do it, and, uh, and you, can, you can pick whatever you'd like. You can choose whatever you want, all right? And here's the final thing. I want, I want to just go back to John 4, verse 35. John 4, 35. Just go back there with me, and then we'll, we'll be done. John 4, 35. Notice what Jesus says. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 
And then verse 35, he launches into this idea. Are you still with me? Do, do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop of eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. This describes one chapel. People have been praying in Austin for years. People have, there's something going on in this city that's so amazing. We get to be part of it. We're the Johnny-come-latelys. We just showed up. Other people have planted seed, but we get to be a part of it because of the way God's kingdom works. But here's what I want you to see. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. I don't need food to sustain me because his will and his purpose sustains me. The harvest is what we're after. The harvest is what we're after. Yes, we're after spiritual discipline. Yes, we're after hunger for God. But the thing that feeds us most, the thing that, that is so wonderful, the thing that causes us to be fulfilled is the harvest, is seeing people come into the kingdom. So let's hunger for the same food that fed Jesus. Let's hunger for the same food that fed Jesus. Let's not make this about you Let's not make this 21 days of prayer and fasting about me and, and, and my sinful activities or me and my need to be more spiritual or me need to be more holy. It'll happen. You cultivate a hunger for God by saying no to food and reading the scripture and praying. That's it's just going to happen. Let's make this 21 days about consecrating ourselves for his purpose, for his plan, for the harvest. I want you to join me. I want you to dig in. I want you to be obsessed. I want you to be thinking about what Jesus wants for you every day. I don't want you to forget. I don't want you to forget to read your Bible. I want you to think about it every morning because you are possessed by a spirit and his name is holy. And I think we can only do that if we'll consecrate ourselves, if we'll open ourselves up, if we'll make space and room in our schedule for Jesus, for his spirit. I want you to do this. I want us to do this together. And I want us to consecrate ourselves so that Jesus can find us faithful and he can give us the harvest that he's ready for. Are you with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you teach us, what you, what you say to us. Thank you for the illumination that happens when we share together and we look into your word and we see what you've said to us. Now, every one of us, we want what we're talking about here. We want to cultivate a hunger for you. We want to be hungry for you more than we're hungry for the things of this world. We want to be hungry for you more than we are for satisfying our flesh. And so, Lord, teach us how to do this. Teach us how to do it well. Teach us how to do it out of a motive of love. Teach us how to do it with, by, by, by a, a way of good stewardship, that we're taking care of our bodies, that we're resting, that we're able to give our lives to you in wholeness, in totality, completely, that we're giving ourselves to you. And help us to start with just this 21-day fast, this this season where we're going to give something up. And I pray that as you're watching it, as you see us give these things up, that your spirit would breathe on us. Father, let your spirit breathe on us 
speak to us, we pray. Give us understanding. Give us wisdom. Give us, give us great grace to do it. Jesus, we want to be consecrated for your purpose. We want to be given to you. Before we finish here today, I want to ask if there's anyone here who you've heard me speaking, you worshiped as we sang these songs, and, or maybe you didn't, and maybe you stood and you, you sensed the Spirit of God speaking to you and calling you to himself. And you find yourself here today in a movie theater with a bunch of people worshiping God and you want to make a commitment to following Christ. Maybe you never have. Maybe it's never been that big of an issue for you. Maybe it's just been a long time since you said, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. And as we've been talking about the scriptures, as we've been talking about these things and as you've been experiencing him here in this place, if you just close your eyes, bow your heads, if you're here and you want to make today the first day, the first day of the rest of your life with Jesus, you want to include him, you want to give up your plan and you want to surrender to his plan, maybe it's just been a long time and you're ready to say yes. You're ready to consecrate yourself to him in a new way and you just sense it. If your heart is beating right now while I'm talking, that's him. <laughs> If, he, if, if you sense that he's calling you, I just want you to, I'm not going to call you down front. I just want you to lift your hand in the air and say, yes, God. Lift up your hand in the air. Yep. Yep. I see you. Is there anybody else? Anybody else? Yep, I see you, brother. It's good. Don't wrestle with Jesus. He wins. <laughs> he's stronger than you. He can outlast you. Anybody else? I want to give my life to Christ today. I want to commit my life to Christ again. That's good. So good. Let me pray for you. In fact, let's all pray this prayer together, a prayer of consecration, a prayer of commitment, and, and um, giving our lives to Christ. Would you all repeat after me? Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, for my sin. I want to make you Lord of my life. I want to give you everything I am. I want to follow you. I want to give up my plan. And I want to adopt your plan. Your plan is better. Forgive me for my sinfulness. I confess my mistakes, my foolishness, and my failure. Come into my life. Make me new today. I want to serve you for the rest of my life. Now let me just pray over you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our hearts. And we pray that you would send us, that you would seal what you're doing and then send us out of this place. Help us, oh God, to be the people you've called us to be. Help us to consecrate ourselves in every way, in, in all, all the walks of life, every area of our lives, work and relationship and play all of it be consecrated to you we thank you for this thank you for teaching us thank you for drawing us thank you for encouraging us today in Jesus name